Father God, we thank you for another time to gather together around your word. I thank you for waking every one of these men up, bringing us here. God, today is a new day, and uh, we're glad that this is a day that you made. Uh, we're glad that we're people you made, and God, we're glad that you made us to be men. Uh, we know that that's a unique, that's a divine um, ordination to be called men of God. Uh, there's a unique role, and there's a unique job that you've given us to be men of God. And I pray, Father, that as we come and we look to the Son of God, as we look to the ultimate um, man to ever walk here on this earth, that you show us the truths that we need to learn to be the men you're calling us to be. I pray this morning uh, specifically for the guy who's struggling, um, the struggling, just feeling like he's uh, taking punch after punch, uh, that you would remind him, God, that you're in his corner. Uh, that you would allow him to look around and just see in this room, God, that he's probably not the only one struggling. And so, Father, I just I thank you for the obedience of the man of God this morning who, despite the fact that he was taking hits from the enemy, despite the fact that he may feel like he's under attack, he continued to show up and put himself in the right place to be able to fight another moment, another day, another week, another month. And I just thank you for how you're moving. And I pray you give uh, that guy strength and all of us strength as well. In your name. Amen. Amen. All right. To recap a little bit, we are walking through what is biblical manhood. And we're looking to the Bible to do that. We're looking specifically at the life of Jesus to be able to do that. Um, specifically, we're going to be going through the book of Mark. We're getting kind of an assist here uh, with the book of Matthew because Matthew takes this temptation of Jesus story and really breaks it apart. And so what we've been looking at is uh, what can we learn about what does it mean to be a real man through this temptation of Jesus? And last week we dove into this story and we looked at how Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism. As soon as he comes out of the waters of baptism, God the Father kind of opens up the sky and says, this is my son. This is where he began. The first things out of his mouth is not even I'm pleased with him. It's not even I love him. The first thing that God says in this moment before Jesus really has done anything is this is my son. He speaks into his identity. And we talked about last week uh, or first week in here. That is mission critical. If I'm going to be a man of God, I got to know that that's my identity. If I've got to know that if I'm in Christ, that God looks down at me. And because of the blood of the only begotten son, he looks at me and he sees me as a Son, he says, this is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. And then right from there, it says not Satan drug him out to the wilderness, not that Jesus wanted to, you know, try his inner, you know, backpacker skills. It says that the Holy Spirit, this thing that we kind of see ascend onto him in that moment of his baptism, that that spirit is what leads him out into the wilderness to be tempted. And so he's out there. And last week we talked about He's out there and the first temptation that Satan comes at, and really this is kind of the root in all temptation, is a temptation to see God as rival, not God as father. That all of Satan's temptations are really not just temptations to get you to fall to your flesh and to mess up. They're all temptations at our identity. Specifically for us as guys, every temptation that we'll face in life, and we see this by what's happening here with Satan and Jesus there in the garden, every temptation is a temptation on his sonship. That's why last week we talked about when he comes up to him, the first words out of his mouth isn't, hey, are you really hungry? You've been out here 40 days and 40 nights. The first words out of Satan's mouth when he shows up there to Jesus is, if you really are God's son, turn these stones to bread. So if you really are God's son, why would he be letting you go through what you're going through here. Why would the spirit lead you out into this place, dry, desolate, no food, no water, 
You're out here in the desert. And last week we kind of made this connection between what's happening to the nation of Israel as they go through the waters of the Red Sea and as they get out into the wilderness. And they're out in the wilderness for how long? 40 days. Jesus is out here for, or they're out there 40 years. Jesus is out here for 40 days. While they're out in the wilderness, God continually calls the nation of Israel, especially as they're wondering, he calls them his son. And the temptation that they're facing out there is supposed to be completed and shown this being completed even here. And we're going to even find some more um, connections between their story and Jesus' story here. Now, one of the things I want you to see really, really early on in this, because we're going to specifically lean into the second temptation today. And I didn't, um, I want to make sure we remember this from the last one. It is the Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the wilderness. And so for us men of God in this room, we got to understand that to be a spirit-led man means that you most likely will find yourself in hard places. I honestly think that that is one of the key indications that we are actually being led by the Spirit, that we find ourselves being led to places where our faith will be tested. See, God is a, a really a good father. And he knows that as a good father, he has to allow our trust in him to grow. And that's what this whole exercise is. I think this temptation is a moment where the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out there. And while he's out there, he's tempted. But here's the unique thing I want you to know and understand about temptation. Temptation is not something that God is doing to you. The Bible says that God makes it very clear that God is not the one who's doing the tempting. But God, in his awesome way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and using it for good, God takes the temptation that Satan gives Jesus and the temptation that Satan will give you, and he uses that as this key moment for your faith to be tested, for you to enter into this test of this temptation and again, we've had many of those where we've passed or failed. But this, unlike how in school, you know, in school you take a test and the test is to help you find out what? The test in school is to help you figure out what you know. The test in our faith is not all the prep work that becomes in the moment and then I take this and I prove that I actually know what's right. Testing in our faith is really about what we learn after the test. It's really about what I learned the moment the test is over. What do I learn? The testing is what produces. This is where we get our faith sometimes backwards. The testing is actually what produces the new knowledge that will take us into a deeper level of trust and confidence in God. And it only happens through the testing. And so this is where Jesus is at. Last week, again, uh, we leaned into him being tempted to turn the stones into bread. We talked about how that was this huge temptation, again, on his identity, but a temptation for what we face, and we still face the same temptations. They just kind of manifest themselves out in different ways. This was a temptation to self-gratification, to say, God created me with these needs, and I'm going to go meet them in my own ways. We talked about that at length last week. Uh, by the way, uh, our boy Eric has made a 
podcast, okay, of all these, all these things. So it's on Spotify, right, and the Apple Podcast Store. So if you miss one of these or you can't find it, I, I, we, we had been putting them on uh, YouTube, but you kind of had to have the link to go there. If you go on the uh, Spotify podcast thing and you don't have to ha like have a paid subscription to any of this, you can be able to see these there, whether Spotify or Apple. Um, you can get the podcast there. Um, what do they need? What's a podcast? A podcast. That's <laughs> uh, where you put your eight track uh, into your computer. No. Um, what do they search? Just MCC Men's Ministry? Search MCC Men's Ministry. Uh, it comes up. It's, uh, what color is it? MCC Men. It's green with yellow text on it. There you go. I posted All right. it in the group live uh, yesterday. Bingo, bongo. Yep. There you go. All right. So let's dive into this next one. If you've got a Bible, let's, let's, let's pick it up and get in there. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 4. We'll go ahead and read uh, through the whole thing, but specifically lean into the second temptation right here. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting... Forty days and forty nights he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are God's son, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, he's quoting scripture here, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then, this is our spot today, then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you and double verses here and on their hand, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a, a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil came, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. All right. So let's lean specifically into that um, Second temptation, where we see Jesus, he's, you know, fought him already. And what did he use to combat Satan's temptation? He used the Word of God. That's key there, guys. If we're going to fight temptation in our life, it has to be the root of God is where we get the root of how we fight back. And um, what's fascinating about Satan is that he is incredibly crafty. He is super, super crafty. He said, okay, you're going to resist that temptation, and you want to use God's Word to do it. You know what I can use too? I can also use God's Word. And so he busts out, and he starts quoting Scripture. He's quoting specifically from Psalm 91 right here. Uh, and he says, well, um, he, he takes Jesus, which I don't know how all this is happening, uh, whether this is like a vision or something that's happening, or he's literally, I mean, again, I guess, I guess this can happen. He's literally going to this place. Who knows? But they go to the temple. They're there in Jerusalem. They're there in the holy city. If they go to the pinnacle of the temple, uh, based off of what I read from the history, history side of things, that's about a 300-foot drop, okay? So he's saying, Jesus, we're up here. 300-foot drop, jump on down. And he quotes scripture to do that. He's basically saying, put God to the test. Like if you really are God's son, well, then prove that God really will protect you. If God is your father, he won't let anything bad happen to you. All right. <laughs> Which is a lie that, you know, we can believe too. And we're going to get into that in a second. If God really is your father, he won't let anything bad happen to you. 
And so he says, and he's quoting Psalm 91, he says, he'll command the angels concerning you, which is basically angels will swoop in and make a diving catch uh, in center field and keep Jesus from, from falling. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So if you're taking notes, you want to write some stuff down. This second temptation, I believe, is, is clearly still an attack on Jesus' sonship, but is attack because it's temptation to self-protection. Self-protection. This is where we get tempted as well. See, what God um, is allowing Jesus to be tempted into, he's allowing to be tempted on the level of his trust that God will continue to provide and God will continue to protect him. So Satan quotes Psalm 91. He's saying, okay, well, in the scriptures it says that if you jump off a thing like this or if you, you know, put your God to the test, this will happen. Jesus comes back and he says, no, no, no. We don't put the Lord our God to the test. And the reason he's saying that, the reason I don't have to put God to the test is because anything that God has said is a word that I can trust about my God. And when Jesus is quoting like his scripture back to him, he's actually quoting, this is a fascinating thing to go back and read, it's a cool story in the, in the Old Testament. He's quoting from Exodus 17. In Exodus 17, the Israelite people, have, they're out in the wilderness again. And this is the second time where Jesus, when he's tempted by Satan in the desert, he's quoting back from God's people in the desert. And that's, again, there's, there, we're supposed to connect those dots. In Exodus 17, they're out there in the wilderness. They kind of leave a place where maybe there was a well or something, and they find themselves coming to this place where there is no well. And the people start whining and complaining to Moses. And they're saying, Moses, we'd be better off in Egypt. Why'd you take us out here? We're dying of thirst. Can you just please get us some water? Can you go talk to God and get us some water? And what they're doing essentially, and this is what Moses comes back back to them, and this is kind of his rebuttal to them as they're whining and complaining because they're super thirsty. Moses goes, why are you putting God to the test? You're craving water right here. And, and you're thinking that like, we're all about to die of thirst out here. Meanwhile, we're the same group of people who were standing on the shores of the Red Sea and watched God do something way more miraculous than giving you something to drink as we watched the walls of the Red Sea become towers around us and we escaped through the middle of it. He says, why are you guys still putting God to the test? And that's kind of what Jesus is getting after here. He's saying, my trust in my Father is not based on how bleak or how awesome my circumstances look. How good or how bad it gets is not what's going to make me go, oh God, I've got to shift and I've got to move and I've got to you know, continue in this moment to show you an opportunity to prove that you really are a good God to me. It's temptation to question God's presence and it's temptation to manipulate God's promises. Now, this is something I, I hope that you've had at least one or two times of experience in your life. Those moments were like, <laughs> usually that happen when you're a teenager and you're really dumb still. But those moments where you're like, God, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the angels in the outfield prayer. You guys ever seen the movie Angels in the Outfield? His dad, you know, gets on his motorcycle and leaves, you know, and, and, but basically kind of leaves saying, you know, when are we going to be a family again? And, and the dad kind of says, well, you know, when the angels win the pennant and the angels are terrible. And then the kid's character in the story is, you know, in his bed that night and he's praying, uh, God, if there really is a God, 
will you just help the angels uh, win the pennant? And then, you know, from there, the, you know, angels start helping guys throw fastballs and dive and actually make decent plays. And then the angels win the pennant. And it's, you know, you go watch the story. But we've had those moments in prayer where we're like, God, this situation, frankly, it's terrible. And I doubt you. I'm curious right now. I'm, I'm questioning your existence. And so, God, if you really are a God, get me out of this. God, if you're really there and you really care, step in and, and do this thing in this moment. Man, we, we've, we've all been there in those moments. And sometimes, like, I've had those times in my moment where God has pulled through and God has done stuff. But I've also had those times in my life where I think God is up in heaven going, no, <laughs> I'm not going to pull you out of this. You got yourself into this and I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm totally right here. But if I pulled you out of this, you're not going to learn the lesson that I need you to learn. See, God is not after you having a pain-free life. God's main goal for you as a man of God is that you fully trust him regardless of how good things are and regardless of how bad things are. Trust. I trust my father. I trust he's working things together for my good, even though it may not look good. And I'm going to refuse this. I'm going to refuse Satan's temptation to go. I need to make God prove it or. And this is where we get a lot of times. God's not coming through. God's not providing for me the way I think he should provide for me. And so I'll do for myself what God won't do for me. I'll provide I'll pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I'll start my own business. I'll find my own wife, even though he's not bringing one that's uh, got the right kind of character. I'll you know, go, go, go online and figure out some things. I'll, I'll do these things because I don't trust God to provide the way that he should. I don't trust God to protect me the way that I think he should. And Jesus' whole message is backed up after the fact. You know, he's in this moment going, Satan, my God has told me that he is going to protect me, that he is. There's no point in me trying to do this to prove that he protects me. I know that he protects me because of what he just got through saying after I was baptized. I got baptized, shoots out. He's my son. I love him and I'm well pleased. That's enough for Jesus to go. I don't have to jump off buildings. He's already spoken from the highest place possible and said, this is my identity and this is who I am. Now, this is the last thing I'll talk to you guys about before I send you into a time to ask some questions. What's fascinating about this story, and I, I didn't realize this till, till recently, is this is Satan's temptation to have Jesus make God prove that he will keep him from pain and death. Now, what's fascinating is the temptation is to prove that God will protect him from pain and death. And Jesus goes, I know God is going to protect me from pain and death. I don't have to jump off towers to know that. And then we read the end of Jesus' story. We know how the passion narrative goes. We, knows what, we know what led to Easter Sunday. We know that Jesus wasn't protected from pain and death. But that pain and death, this thing that would have led to, I mean, you don't, I don't know who you are, but like if any of us jump off a 300-foot building, you're not living from that. Like most scientists, the stuff that I read was like 50 feet. Like anything less than 50 feet, 
you might be able to make it 50 feet plus, like get ready to splat, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah, we got stunt man. He would know. Um, Anything over that, you're, yeah, it's not going to be good for you. And what's wild in this story is Jesus says, I trust my God regardless. I trust him even knowing that my trust is going to lead to pain and to death. And so at the end of the day, what we learn from Jesus in the story about what, what does it mean to be a man, it's knowing full well that part of the Father's plan to develop our trust in him is going to be pain, is going to be stuff that is hard. And that's, again, that's no fun. We want the things to be easy. But when Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples, it was the night that he was going to be betrayed. He said, take heart. And the reason he told him to take heart is because he, right after that, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Not you might, not you may, not, hey, if you, you know, you, you pray the right prayer and you get the right combination to the, to the faith code right, uh, you'll be able to avoid all this stuff. He says, no, take heart, guys. In this world, you will have trouble. And then he, the reason he tells them to take heart, he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I love that. Like, it's kind of cocky because honestly, at that moment, he hadn't. But he has this faith that like, this is the plan. This is where I'm going. This is what's happening right here. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And so for us, we're going to enter into times and moments in our lives where we're going to be tempted to protect ourselves and circumvent and go around how God would protect us. And we're going to have moments and times where I would say we're going to be tempted to do what I call the reverse test. God's going to put you into something and he's putting you into something. He's allowing you to go through something for the sake of your faith being tested. Him getting out some old impurities, him getting out some old complaining, him getting out some things that are still messed up kind of in your way of thinking about him. He's allowing you to go through those testing. But what we do is what I call the reverse test. God's allowing us to go through some stuff that's testing our faith and we start making the test about him. He's going, I want to test you. And then we go, I want to test you. <laughs> okay. And, and, and most of us, our faith is like Sunday school level enough to where you can have a bad day and you go, oh, but God is providing, you know, your wife, you have a really bad day at work and, 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 you know, how did it go? You know, it was rough, you know, but, but like God is good. I know he's going to work it out. And then that bad day turns into a bad week and you're still, you're kind of, I know God's, he's, he's going to work it out. And you start saying it like a, with a question mark at the end. And that bad week turns into a bad month. And you stop talking about God. You start saying stuff like, man, I'm just going to have to figure something out. I don't know what's going on. Could you use a little help down here? And that bad month turns into a, a season that just sucks. And those are the moments where we really find where everybody can go through a bad day and be like, God's got this. <laughs> but it, ta- it takes a different kind of faith to go through a season of cancer. It takes a different kind of faith to go through grieving the loss of a parent. It takes a different kind of faith to go through a divorce. It takes a different kind of faith to fight addiction. It takes a different kind of faith when the hardship is not just this moment, but the hardship lasts for a long time. 
And everybody in here, you're not going to get out of this life. You're not going to get out of manhood without going through not just a day, not just a week, not even just a month. You're not going to get out of this thing without going through a season where your faith is tested. Father God, thank you for this time to gather together. Uh, Jesus, uh, we ask that you would show us and help us into what it means to be men of God. Uh, be with these conversations. I pray that they're fruitful. I pray that they lead to life. I pray that the temptation we all face, Jesus, to be the ones who provide for us, to be the ones who protect ourselves. I pray that we would begin to more and more trust you, even when things look bleak, even when things are scary, even when we've gone through not just a day, week, or month, but a whole season of testing and trials and tribulation. I pray that we would know who you are and that you still love us and to put our trust in you. In your name, amen.